I'm Laura Palmer, host of Island Crime. Season six, Sweethearts, is the story of three teenage girls who were all murdered in Victoria, Canada within about 12 months. So she was scared, something out there scared her. You've just created the playground where predators can really thrive. She was a 16-year-old girl. She was a sweetheart. Listen to Sweethearts at FrequencyPodcastNetwork.com or wherever you get podcasts. Find your frequency. You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production. When your local news begins to run stories about ordinary citizens spending thousands of dollars to install commercial anti-theft devices. You know something's changing. Commercial purposes only, and now they put into play for homeowners. To have them installed in driveways in response to a surge in auto thefts. So these can prevent auto theft. Absolutely, 100%. After a decade and a half of slow but steady increases, Car thefts in Canada surged past a recent high last year. And investigations in other countries have found that we are now a go-to source for stolen cars that end up across the ocean. This summer has been particularly bad in Toronto and other large cities, with police issuing warnings and public service announcements about how to protect your vehicle from theft. And like I said, citizens installing poles in their driveways to protect their cars. The reasons for the spike in auto theft in Canada are complex, but they link together to create a kind of perfect storm, a technology arms race that carmakers are losing, efficient and highly organized criminals, and increasing demand for these automobiles around the world. So what are we actually doing about a problem that's been growing for a while? What role could regulators and lawmakers play? How can you protect a car from theft? If the thieves can pirate your key's signal from down the block. How does modern car theft work anyway? I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. This is The Big Story. Brian Gast is the Vice President of Investigative Services at Equité Association. He joins us from his car, Brian. I hope it's your car you're joining us from. It is, and hopefully it remains my car. <laughs> we'll see about that. Okay, this is the reason I'm asking, because uh, this is becoming a huge problem that's now getting international attention. How many cars are stolen per year in Canada? How does that compare with past years? Yeah, the very interesting question. If, so if you look at total number of vehicles, so all vehicles, including motorcycles, commercial vehicles, it's 105,000 vehicles, which is interesting when you compare it to previous years. If you go back to 1998, uh, when Canada did not have um, immobilizers mandated uh, in all new vehicles, it was over 160,000 vehicles uh, that were stolen in Canada. And then in 2007, Transport Canada mandated all new vehicles have anti-theft devices or immobilizers in their vehicle. And then over the next several years, that actually dropped. So that was mandated in 2007. And then uh, during that time, it dropped to less than 80,000. So now you go from 2009 to present, and it's gradually crept up. So for the first time in over a decade, uh, the total number of vehicles stolen in Canada has topped 100,000. 
What kind of cost to Canadian customers, insurers, manufacturers are we talking about here? 100,000 cars is a lot. Obviously, the individual values of them vary, but like I'm trying to get a sense of, of the dollar figure on the problem here. So what we do is we really look at the, the vehicles, the insured vehicles, and those are largely the ones that the organized crime groups are, are targeting. So your private passenger vehicles, your sedans, your trucks, your SUVs and vans. Uh, of those, just in 2022 alone, it was $1.2 billion for all of Canada. And Ontario was just over $700 million of that. So it's a significant problem. How does Canada compare to other countries in this regard? I saw, I think it was a Bloomberg piece that called us out internationally for this. The main reason why our newer high-value vehicles are being stolen is for export. So we have thousands of vehicles that are have, have made their way to other countries. So we are being known as a source nation or a source country of stolen vehicles. And that simply means we have stolen vehicles that are leaving, not necessarily coming into the country. We're, we're supplying other countries with these stolen vehicles. We're an exporter. Yeah, unintentionally an exporter. But uh, and that, that, that's what we're also trying to combat is that uh, working with our international partners, Interpol and IATI, IATI is the International Association of Auto Theft Investigators, and Interpol coordinates uh, a lot of police uh, operations, and then they work with private-public partnerships. So those two organizations, along with our policing partners, are trying to combat the vehicles and do the repatriations of the vehicles that have been uh, made their way overseas. You mentioned 2007 cut the rate in half, and it's been creeping up since then. Why has it been creeping up? Yeah, so, I mean... Pre-2007, you could essentially steal a vehicle with a screwdriver. You break the steering column and twist the ignition, and it starts. I mean, that's a vehicle without an immobilizer. In 2007, they had some technology to protect against that, and they dropped dramatically. Now, criminals have found ways, and those standards haven't changed since 2007. So now, with push-start vehicles, OBD2 ports, With all of those vulnerabilities of vehicles of convenience, like the push-to-start vehicle, uh, criminals have found ways and vulnerabilities in that technology of the vehicle itself to bypass it and start it. So I would say there's three real main ways that vehicles are being stolen. The primary one would be through the reprogramming a key fob simply by plugging a device into the OBD port. Uh, which is intended use, is for a mechanic to plug into that at a garage to determine what's wrong with your vehicle. So criminals are are taking advantage of that uh, access point and the technology that they have and uh, to steal the vehicle. The other one, the other main one would be the relay attacks. And you've probably seen this where they have antennas, so extenders. They're trying to extend that range between the key fob and the vehicle to capture that signal, that radio frequency, to be able to start that vehicle. So those are the really the two primary methods, and then it's constantly evolving. There's always new methods. Again, currently the standards are are very outdated to the point where uh, the vehicles aren't protected against these types of attacks. It sounds like you're describing kind of a one-sided arms race. Why aren't manufacturers keeping up with the technology on their end? Surely they don't want their cars stolen. Yeah, and I mean, we are working with the manufacturers and we're working with uh, other agencies trying to modernize those standards. I mean, when when those standards were developed, push-to-start vehicles, uh, remote entry, uh, all of those OBD2 ports were very much in their infancy. 
So the current, as I mentioned, the current standards aren't really reflective in the methods that are being stolen right now. So the protection just isn't there. So getting that standard updated, uh, I mean, that's not the silver bullet, but it's it's a big piece to uh, what can be done to make the vehicle harder to steal in the first place. Are some vehicles easier to steal than others based on how they're designed? I think I read something about a few models in particular that were like super easy. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the United States, some some states do not have any immobilizer uh, mandates. So certain vehicles, like the Kia Challenge, you, you would have seen where a vehicle can be stolen with a USB cord. So that is the value of at least a standard that uh, that can't be done here. But uh, again, there's other methods that I mentioned before, the reprogramming and the relay attacks that criminals are using. To, uh, to steal the vehicle. So having that technology and that standard modernized and mandated for, for vehicles that are being sold, new vehicles that are being sold in Canada, will we'll go a long way. You've explained so far the actual methods of stealing these vehicles, but can you explain the process to me kind of from beginning to end? In a second, we'll talk about who does it, but let's just start with like, one person is going to steal one car. How do they decide what car to steal and find it? And and where does that car end up? Yeah, so I will preface this by saying this is highly organized. It's organized crime groups that are domestic and international with uh, far-reaching cells and networks. So they have a, a variety of vehicles that are on their target list. So you say, why certain vehicles over another? Really, any push to start button vehicle has the same vulnerabilities. Now it comes into what the demand is, and the demand being what's the demand overseas for these vehicles. So once they once they know, okay, we would like X amount of certain brand of vehicle, they will scout those high-rich target areas, find those vehicles, and then they will use technology to steal those vehicles. And I should say, I mean, just technology isn't the only way they're stealing vehicles. And I don't want to get into a how-to guide on to steal vehicles, but there's other ways that they're doing it through fraudulent means, whether it be uh, vehicle finance fraud. Those are all types of things that we're also working on. But to answer your question, they have the, the target vehicle. They look for it. If the owner of that vehicle hasn't taken the precautions that we recommend and it's just sitting there and very vulnerable, they could steal that vehicle as quickly as 15 seconds, uh, depending on what method they use. Now maybe is the time to mention, you know, who is doing this and once they steal it, where does it go? So uh, as I mentioned, organized crime is definitely behind this. It really started during the pandemic when vehicles, used vehicles, new vehicles, there was a global supply chain uh, shortage. Organized crime has always been in this space, but they've definitely the scale as there's multiple organized crime groups that are in this space now. So in the last two or three years, the numbers have dramatically increased to the point where we call it a crisis, where there's just, it's just rampant. There's th- I would say there's three main reasons why vehicles are stolen. The first one being for export. So they're being put on container in containers and, and shipped overseas. A lot of West Africa, Africa, Middle East, in a variety of destinations that are not necessarily their endpoint destination, but uh, they, the ship may stop there and then the vehicles are recovered. So a lot of our vehicles go out the eastern ports. And then the second bucket would be vehicles that are revenged. And this is concerning for all Canadians because it happens uh, in, all, in all provinces. 
where a vehicle is stolen and then it's revin. So the VIN means the vehicle identification number. That's the public VIN that's on your dash and on your doorpost. They will steal the vehicle. They will fraudulently alter those and give the vehicle the appearance that it's not a stolen vehicle, trying to wash or clean its identity to, to make it uh, appear to be legitimate. And then they'll either, either use that vehicle within their own criminal organization or they'll sell it to unsuspecting consumers. And then the third bucket, I would say, would be chop shops or stealing a vehicle and breaking it down and selling it piece by piece, part by part, which obviously is lucrative to them as well. So those are the three main areas. But I would still say that the vehicles for export, stolen for export is, is the biggest bucket. Of all the vehicles that are stolen in this country, how many actually ever get recovered? It depends on what province uh, when it comes to the recoveries. In the West, the vehicles are being stolen for different purposes. So they could be used for another crime, then left abandoned. Those vehicles are being recovered. When you look at Ontario and Quebec, those vehicles will be recovered. The percentage will be less because, like I said, the primary reason is that they're being exported out of the country. So that's why we work so hard with our partners at the CBSA and the RCMP liaison officers and uh, the police services uh, throughout Ontario and Quebec to really share information, work together and recover these vehicles. But the likeliness of, of a recovery in Ontario and Quebec, we're getting better and we're identifying some of their trends and patterns, and that's important to really reversing this trend. But uh, it's hard to give you an exact percentage of the vehicles that are recovered, but, uh, I mean, provincially, if you look at Ontario, it's uh, much different recovery rates than the West and the East, for that matter. The last thing I want to talk about is what we can do uh, to make these vehicles harder to steal. If somebody is listening to this and thinking... I just spent $65,000 on a new SUV and now I'm terrified it's going to get stolen. Is there anything like the average car owner can do to make these vehicles tougher to steal? Yeah, absolutely. And, and that is the frustrating point when somebody does spend $60,000 and they don't feel that their vehicle is adequately protected against theft. Uh, and then they have to take extra measures to protect that vehicle. But there is, are things that they can do until vehicles are harder to steal right from the manufacturer. We call it a layered approach. The more that you can do to protect your vehicle, the more layers that you attach. You don't have to turn it into Fort Knox, but you, you do have time is of the essence for these criminals. They want to be in and out as quickly as possible. So if you have a garage, park in a garage. If you don't, uh, park in a well-lit area. If you have two vehicles and you think one more is more susceptible to theft, block it in and park something behind it. Use a steering wheel lock. It's just a good visual Use an OBD2 port lock, so that's a lock that goes over the OBD lock that you only have the key that uh, that can remove that if you do need to go to the garage. Using an aftermarket immobilizer, which is essentially a sophisticated kill switch. Using a, a pedal lock, using a tracking device. Those are all things that uh, they're really added deterrent. The goal is that they'll they'll see that vehicle. There's multiple layers that they would have to defeat. It would take them time, and they will move on to another area. And the goal is the more that's done, that limits their uh, their ability to, to steal these vehicles from your driveway. And in terms of getting new regulations in place that will make manufacturers uh, up their game when it comes to making these cars uh, more difficult to steal, how's that fight going? How big is the challenge is it? 
I don't think any manufacturers wants their 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 vehicles. We, we produce a top ten stolen vehicle list every year, every November and, and December, and it shows the top ten vehicles that are being stolen. And no manufacturer wants to be on that list. Our goal and our expectation is that the manufacturers will want to make their vehicles harder to steal and uh, meet the standards. And uh, if there are vulnerabilities that are discovered, they'll they'll make those changes to those vehicles so the, the consumer is protected from their investment of the vehicle. Brian, thank you so much for this and good luck making, uh, making changes and protecting these vehicles. Well, thank you for having me and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Brian Gast, Vice President of Investigative Services at Equité Association. That was The Big Story. For more, head to thebigstorypodcast.ca. Hit us up with any suggestions or comments or questions you have about an episode or for a future episode by finding us on Twitter at TheBigStoryFPN, by sending us an email, hello at thebigstorypodcast.ca is that address, or just call and leave us a voicemail. That number is 416-935-5935. You can find The Big Story absolutely everywhere. You get your podcasts and you can listen to it on a smart speaker by asking it to play The Big Story podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. We'll talk tomorrow.